to watch Survivor, at least up until last week. When things got pretty awful and it made us want to weep. Everybody sucks now and spirits are way down. But here comes a Purple Rock podcast to burn it to the ground. We'll try to tell some dumb jokes. These players make us yell and curse. The seasons hit rock bottom. Or maybe it gets so much worse. We've had enough of all these jerks. It's all gone so, so wrong. So we made some minor tweaks to our brand new theme song. It's the Purple Rock Survivor Podcast. Janet is cool. Welcome to the Purple Rock Podcast and our new, appropriate, soul-crushing theme song leads us off this week. I am John, my co-host is Andy, and Andy, the last time you were on, the show hadn't yet tragically died in a fire, so what a fun experience it is for you to wade into this wreckage. Yeah, no, last time it was like, man, this is so much fun. There's so many great things to talk about. What amazing progress. Let's talk about this with a special guest. And now, now, now this. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been quite the downhill slide for <laughs> It really, like, didn't take long for a season that I kind of feel like was almost universally positively received for the first five, six episodes. Yeah, I know, and it it's it it bleeds over to this week, and in a way, it's hard to imagine that it won't. And it's it's weird. It's like yeah, there have been people in the Survivor community who are like, I'm out, and I get it. Yep. Uh, there are people who are like, I'm not gonna write about this, and I get it because it's like I don't know me, this guy, how like I want to talk about it. Uh, we've committed to go to the end of the season. Uh, really, like. After this, Brad was like, how committed are we? And we were like, oh, no, we'll do it. But now I'm thinking about it. It's like, like what we like to do here is, for, like, goof off. Well, it doesn't feel appropriate or, like, or and forget appropriate. I don't know if I feel like doing exactly. it. Although, you know, we just did with that theme song. Shout out to uh, uh, listener Mike Hirsch for putting that together, by oh, the way. Look at you giving credit to people like I didn't. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Mike. Uh, I also like, like, more than anything, to yell at people for their views. There's not really a lot to do that with anymore, you know? (laughs) Frankly, one of the reasons why I like to, you know, kind of mix it up about this show is because in the balance of it all, it doesn't matter. This show is does not matter, right? It's just a show, not a particularly smart one at that. And thus, it's something I feel free to just kind of argue about. It's not life or death. Now, now obviously, it it has been, you know, it has cross-sected with other things. And I tend to be less argumentative in those moments. But now it's like, man, I don't even want to do that. Like, I would feel like not only would I feel like an asshole, it's like I don't want to. I'm not disagreeing with anyone of consequence out there. So it's like, yeah, I mean, some survivor happened, huh? Yeah. I mean, if, if nothing else, we can unite around a common enemy and that enemy being a lot of the people on this show and a lot of people involved in making this show. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, to give further credit, cause that's, that's what I'm about, John. Yes. Um, I, I, I enjoy isn't the word that I use, but I think you and Emma, Emily last week, whichever we're calling her, whatever, <laughs> uh, did a really good job. Name right. Well, Very. this truly is my fault that she chose some weird alias. Um, but yeah, like you guys did a really good job covering, you know, the, a lot of the issues last week and also like our feelings about it. And like, 
uh, not a lot of ground left for us to continue to cover in that regard. In many respects, that's what makes this different than, say, like the last time on Survivor when there was something, you know, beyond the pale, you know, over the line. That's the Zeke and Varner incident. It's like, well, how did you deal with it then? Well, the week of actually isn't that hard. You express the righteous fury and indignation that it deserves. But he was gone from the show yes. 10 minutes after, like, we discovered how bad it was. This is, like, Dan's not going anywhere. And even if he were to go this week, there's still other people to go around, especially the people who make the show. Yeah, it was that situation with Varner and Zeke was totally self-contained. Like, you knew there would not be, I mean, there would be some further fallout, but nothing as horrifying to watch as what you witnessed in that episode. Whereas here, there's this ongoing sense of dread, like, hey, this storyline might not be over, and it could creep back at any time. And it's like it's like watching a horror movie. Like, I don't sign up for the, like, terrifying suspense that I'm just going to get blindsided by some more awfulness on this show. Like, it's it's supposed to be fun escapism, like you said, yelling at the audience and discussing strategy and bickering over small shit. I, I don't want to sit there and think, like, oh, when's the next time I'm going to have to watch a woman feel like she, you know, is made an object or less than? Like, that's not really what I'm signing up for. Yeah, and, like, even if it never happens again, and I think there's a possibility, if for no other reason, then they've voted out his targets. Um, it's that, like, my disappointment with this show exists. Yes. And what this incident and their reaction to it has really underlined a thing that I've actually talked about a lot, but I talked about it in a way to almost, like, absolve certain aspects, not so much of the show, but of, like, people's actions within it. And, and why I said things in the past, like, Survivor's a bad way to, you know, promote, you know, social justice or something. Yep. Again, I'm not saying like, ooh, nailed that one. It's more that, like, it's really underscores, like, all of the complicated parts of this, that this is not a nice show. This is not a nice game. And when you see something like what happened last week, and, you know, all of the awfulness laid to bear, and how ill-prepared the show is to deal with it, and then you start to see, like, how, like, the reward structure of the game, like, prevents somebody like Dan from being punished, and not just from the people who, like, you know, did, like, the worst of it and overlooking it, like, your Elizabeth or Missy, but, but like, Kelly herself, she wasn't motivated to get rid of him because of the structure of the game, and it's kind of like, do I like something that is awful? That's kind of what this, like, really confronts me with. It's like, you know, it was all fun in games when it's just like, you know, Tony, you know, crazily lying to people. But it, like, uh, really, like, uh, exposed the seedy underbelly of the show that, like, yeah, something this awful can still just be seen as, well, it's part of the game. Yeah, and we've said so many times before that, you know, that this show does have this perverse incentive structure where, like, you can be terrible and you will not always, but very often you will fail upward. Like you were, you were then elevated in the game and thus you're going to get more financial reward. You're going to be on the show longer. All these different positive things are going to happen if you are a very negative influence. And it's just, it's shitty. A lot of times it's, much more minor stuff like yes. okay maybe you'll be kept around because you're too conniving i'm fine with that it's just 
you know, it does also at the same time allow stuff like this to happen. And I think that the production staff, and I, I harped on this a little bit last week, but the production staff is so used to this hands-off approach and like, oh, we can just show what happened. We'll let the players play. I just don't think they appreciated quite what was happening in those moments. No, no, like a hundred percent, they did not. And yes, this is ground you covered. But again, the problem still exists, so it's hard to talk about anything else, right? Uh, yeah, like I think they just didn't realize that this was something more, and it's beyond disappointing that they didn't. Uh, I th- yeah, I'm pretty sure it was you guys at diagnosis. I'm sure other people did. This is probably what happens when you have a bunch of men overseeing every part of it. It doesn't stop them to think. It's like, wow, this is a really terrible environment that you know is beyond what the competitors themselves can manage. Uh, because it was in the same way that you know somebody who was you know threatening physical violence all the time. And I think in their mind, it's like, well, the contestants didn't take care of it, so I guess it's f- fair game. But no, this is an environment, like, this is the environment you created. This isn't, yep. this is artificial. And if a situation like this, you need to step in. And, you know, it's obvious. They had no idea, both by the fact that they never did, and by the fact that how they've reacted since. So, like, with all that going around, it's hard to even evaluate, like, an episode we got this week, because, if last week hadn't happened, if, say, the producers did their damn-ass jobs and gotten rid of Dan a long time ago, one, or two, if, you know, the takeaway from Kelly and Mrs. Conversation was, yes, let's unite and get rid of Dan. Again, I'm not even blaming them. I think there's tons of caveats why they wouldn't. That's why it was up to the producers to, you know, change this environment. But if that hadn't happened, if it wasn't all the ugliness from last week, I feel like this would have been a good... Damn episode! It would have been totally fine. Yeah, like, and it, frankly, like even you know from the fallout with that, like we lost two people who you know we viewed really poorly as a result. But I didn't feel celebratory over it because it's I'm just over it. I was a little celebratory that the person that we still love is still around. Uh, but it's just kind of like I feel like they lost me. And I, I don't know that they will regain me for this season at least, and it causes a bit of a like a a deep look inside that you know this thing I love can suck this much. I think it's just as I said created this kind of odd feeling when you watch now because it's it feels like the show totally ignored last week and moved on. Except I don't think they were like sweeping it under the rug. I think. If I had to guess, and I'm totally speculating here, I think they didn't have any additional footage to work with. Like, I think it's very likely that last week's events happened and they were monumental to us as a viewer. But, like, for the people that took part in the game, it happened and then they moved on. I, I just... Yeah. My guess is that there was not further conversation or, or introspection regarding the things that happened. I think the players kind of swept it under the rug and were like, well got to deal with the hand that I'm dealt. I'm just going to keep playing and not mention it. And that's just creepy as an audience member, having watched what we watched last week to think like, huh, none of you are affected by this. We're just going to, are we pretending it didn't happen? But I think they are. Yeah. I mean, Ted and Gondia didn't extend past that episode because they got rid of Gondia. Right. So like this is, I, I 
agree. I don't know if there was much conversation about what happened because they got rid of Kelly, they got rid of Jamal, and they marginalized Janet. And I bet if there was a conversation about what happened, it was between Janet and Dan. And that's not something we particularly want to see more of. We already got some of it, and we're like, ah, you know? So, like, I agree. I don't think there is a fallout for them to deal with because for, like, players are like, well, that little uh, unfortunate bit is over, and now we, majority group, can move on to our next next objective right like i don't know if there was a lot of deep soul searching like oh wow i really crossed a line and frankly if you you know saw the apologies and all that they might not have realized it until they watched it and i would say survivor has not realized it until the feedback started coming in because i think that episode um you know some people are like oh i guess it was edited to make dan look good or you know to cover it no 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 they think they handled it. That yeah. show's like, oh man, we really got this and we're going to show stuff from, you know, early in the season with this dance stuff. And we're going to, you know, have like the, you know, the, the tribal council or women talk about women's issues. And we're going to, you know, and then we're going to have, you know, these title cards. And it's like, we'll really have nailed it. We'll have explained it and we'll have shone a light on this important subject. And once again, shown how survivor is this microcosm of society and how enlightened we are. Right. And just like, Oh, we got to hit on a cultural touchstone of Me Too. How important is this show that we can reflect this very important movement within society? And it ain't that. Like, it's just really weird to watch. And I mean, one consequence of that, now that, you know, the players have moved on and the producers didn't intervene, you just touched on. Now, Dan is still around and Janet has to have a conversation with Dan, wherein to further her game, she probably has to form at least some sort of working relationship with this guy. Uh-huh. And that fucking sucks. Well, more beyond that, I can envision a world in which Janet's like, well, I guess I was the one who was wrong. Yes. Because nobody else seemed offended by this behavior but me. And I was only offended on their behalf. Yeah, I mean, she said that she wanted to quit. Because she felt like, okay, well, I guess I'm the asshole here. For the love of God, please, people reassure her. And I loved, like, skipping ahead to the Janet praise that I'm sure is going to be heaped upon her. Right at the start of the episode, someone said something to the effect of like, oh, you know, I, I understand if you regret what you did. And she's like, no, I don't regret what I did at all. I was like, fuck yes, Janet, the hero that we need. Because mm-hmm. she had this whole thing where she said, look, I'm, you know, I want to be the person that I want myself to be. And I want my, you know, kids, family, whoever, grandkids to be able to watch this and see, like, I am a person that has morals and principles. And I will stand up for the people that need me to stand, stand up for them. And that was beautiful. And then someone else, and I don't remember who, honestly, I, th- I believe it was one of the women tried to say, like, oh, I, I get it, you have regrets. Like, fuck no, Janet, you don't have regrets. And I love that, once again, she stood up for herself and was like, nah, I want to correct that story. That's not what's happening here. Yeah, and then it's not hard to imagine a world where that was the last that they spoke of it. Yep. Because Janet herself realizes there's no point in speaking to them. And then they have 
like lied to themselves to such a degree that they're almost starting. They're probably starting to believe it that you know, this the adversarial nature of Survivor, which again harkens back to why this was a production environment that needed to be you know cleaned up. You can't just rely on them in a world where everybody's lying to you. It's actually starting. It's fairly understandable, not to the level that they ended up taking it, but it's a, understandable a bit where you things get twisted. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kelly was going after Missy after their heart to heart. That was not a lie. It just how happened that it switched. So, you know, like just in that environment, you get that. And it's like, yeah, I don't know if Elizabeth did a whole lot of soul searching of like, wow, I really crossed the line. No, she's kind of like, well, that's what we needed to do. I was successful. We're moving on. And I, I don't think they talked about it since then. Uh, it'll be interesting if they talk about it in the rest of the season, but I'm not going to hold my breath. Right. And I think there was an interview, I believe it was with Cochran a while ago, um, obviously, because he doesn't do a lot of Survivor interviews anymore. But um, he talked about how, you know, you sort of have to convince yourself that there's a reason to vote out this person that you're voting out. And not that you convince yourself to hate this person, but you play up something in your head that you can make them into an enemy that you feel totally comfortable getting rid of. And I think that's probably what happened here. And, you know, so you're saying these people like deluded themselves and believed their own things that they're saying. Probably. I, I think that's exactly what it is. Is everyone decided like Janet's this villain for trying to besmirch Dan's good name or something. I'm sure Aaron thought that mm -hmm. and you need to believe that because you want janet to be a target so you're like yeah this janet oh, how dare she i'm gonna take her out and it fucking sucks to watch because we are aware of the full story and yeah it's just devastating like missy was literally told that kelly was playing up uh this story with dan to so that she could target you so you know, from that rubric it's understandable how this goes on and all of this kind of like circles me back to are we watching a terrible show like it's the fundamental part of survivor just like mean and we've you know for one got used to it because you know like richard hatch won the first season and then sometimes you get decent people who find ways to get around some of the meanness but really you're only limiting the meanness like every, and that's one of the reasons like i used to use his defense like it's dumb to treat some action survivor as more like voting out some, this person that's a moral decision but voting out that person would be immoral because at the end of the day you're always voting somebody out uh but like, there's just something to it. So, uh, my youngest son, he was, you know, uh, we were talking somewhat about the podcast or whatever. And then he's like, well, what is Survivor? And I feel like I've probably explained it before, but it's not part of his life, so it didn't really stick. But I, I explained to him, like, you know, stranded on an island competing. And then I got to, like, you know, every few days they vote somebody out and the last person to win her. And he's like, that's mean. <laughs> like, just there. And I'm like, you're not wrong. Like, we knew that in season one. Like, it felt mean when they were pagonging them. And so I were like, oh, don't do that. She's our, you know, island girlfriend and all of that. And it's just like, like, in this situation, Missy thinks that Kelly's doing this. And then, so then Missy's like, okay, well, it's fair game. And, you know, shares the pan with Elizabeth. And Elizabeth's like, yeah, let's even go even further and all this. And then Janet's explaining why she was trying to do it. It's like, no, you weren't. You're doing this. And we're just going to keep making you feel bad. And it's just like, again, 
I'm not necessarily like forgiving the level where they took it to, but when you consider the environment of the show, it starts to make a little bit more sense how like that slope starts. So like where how it starts, I feel like Missy is within her rights to feel attacked by you know the idea that after their personal connection, Kelly is coming after her, and then. From there, it just keeps snowballing to get to this horrible place where they were at. And I'm not absolving them of their actions within it, but I'm starting to question the very principle of the thing that I, you know, love. Right. I mean, really I, like. You're right in that had this conversation between Missy and Kelly taken place in a university library somewhere, there is not then going to be that same sort of fallout afterwards where they're not trusting each other, not believing each other. Like, I think they both would have been like, Oh man, I'm here for you. I've experienced the same thing. We're a team. We're going to take care of this. But because of the artifice of this show and the way the game is designed, all it takes is that suggestion from Lauren that like, ah, just so you know, that was pure deception. You can get why Missy would feel super betrayed because she was probably being open and honest. Kelly was clearly being open and honest about how she felt. And then that has to hurt because you you opened up, you had real emotions with this person, and then you realize, like, wait a minute, I was just being manipulated by them? Like, no, that was a genuine feeling for me, and are they lying to me about this very personal and serious and terrible topic? I'm with you. You can't completely absolve Missy, but I don't think Missy is anything like that if production intervenes and does what they need to do to stop that situation Mm -hmm. from happening. Like, we never get to see that side of Missy, and we're probably talking about Missy as this hilariously aggressive, occasionally putting her foot in her mouth player at this point, rather than, you know, the reputation that she garnered immediately last week. Yeah, because I feel like what happened with Missy this week Oh man, I would love to have talked about it in a way that, you know, when I would have cared about it. It, like, is the extension of the things we were talking about her from the beginning of the season that, you know, she's, you know, this cutthroat strategist, but bad with people, and look at that, it came to a head. But, like, I don't care. It's the thing. Yeah. And that's, like, the contract that they broke. And frankly, so, like, let's get into, you know, because they've had a week now, and, you know, the show didn't do anything, and I think you and I both agree that, like, there might not have been anything to do, because I don't know that the players were doing anything. But, you know, there is media. There are back ways that they could respond. And they mostly went radio silent until yeah. this week, where Jeff Probst barely said anything when pressed about it from Dalton Ross. Uh, that, like, it, it's, we're still here. Like, we can't even be like, okay, well, they're gonna learn from this. Now, I'll say, I think they are gonna learn from this because of the response. Yes. Not because of what happened, because I'm with you. I think they thought they handled it well. But because people are responding now, I think they might start to look at it not even from a, well, we really need to protect people the way they should, but when if an incident like this were to happen again, it could ruin our show. And so from a financial standpoint, from an entertainment standpoint, we need to have a plan. I mean, that is hopefully what is happening. Although, weird thing about that interview. It's been, according to Dalton, seven months since this season was filmed. 
mm-hmm. and obviously they've been producing, editing the episode since then. And Probst is like, "Yeah, we're going to work on new rules." Like, okay, but it's been seven months, which only again confirms my theory that like they thought they were fine. Mm-hmm. It's only now that they're like, "Shit." we've really got to change what we're doing because apparently people didn't like what we did. And yeah, you know that I think that is the value of fans being like, Hey, fuck you. And shouting shit into the void on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, Reddit, whatever bullshit sites. Basically everywhere. Yes, exactly. Um, our site is not the void. Our site is the one true font of survivor information. Um, I'm Certain though our reaction was not pleased as well. Um, so they're just now getting to that, and that is also sad from the point of the fandom. Yeah, no, it's it's pathetic. It sucks, but keep at it. Keep yes. expressing your deep, you know, your feelings in this way. If you indeed decide to come back to the show, because that's what's going to cause change is them to realize, oh god, we really stepped in it, we need to do something about this. So this can't happen again. And they can't just rest on their, you know, laurels like, well, it hasn't happened before. Because for one, it fucking has. Um, And for two, that's not good enough. They need to protect the people who play this game. They have water bottles now because Caleb almost died. So hopefully you know, they can learn from this. And frankly, like, while Jeff's responses this week were beyond underwhelming i almost take a little bit of um encouragement by how short and terse those answers are because the alternative could be that he does his same bullshit jeff probes to like oh what a wonderful reflection of society bullshit the fact that he can't just go out and say the things he usually says means for me or maybe not means indicates for me that they're starting to get it and yeah. now they, and, and thus they have to be very careful with what they say. Yeah, some of the feedback is getting to him, whatever format it might have been. And I, I mean, I do know he does occasionally use Twitter, um, but who knows? It could even be from his celebrity friends that he loves. That's right. To. Tyler Perry took him to exactly. text. Yeah. yeah, maybe Tyler Perry called him up on the probe's phone and was like, hey, listen, we need to have a talk because this is fucked up. Um, could have been his buddy Mike White, who, you know, has actually experienced playing Survivor. Who knows? But it has clearly somehow penetrated the probes bubble, and he's at least aware of it, which hopefully helps. Yeah, because, yeah, be scared, because they should be. They fucked up huge. And uh, all we could do is hope that they learn from it. We don't have any indication that they have. As I said, these things have happened before. I'd say this is a nuance, uh, the nuances, you know, are different from things that happen, if there were no other reason than, like, the past incidences uh, took care of themselves pretty quickly. So maybe that's what led to their hands-off response. It's like, well, if this was really bad, they would have either voted out Dan or the women. Which, I mean, it should be noted, Molly did go home very early in this season. Um, so now, hopefully they realize, no, you can't do that. These, there are uh, lines to cross, and they know there are lines to cross. They just didn't think that this was one of them. And that sucks. It does. Um, and like, I, I was like, I can understand where it's it's fuzzier than like an office environment, because these are people in states of undress, some of which are made up by the show. Um, and this is, are a place where people have 
different levels of, you know, like appropriate touching, right? Is people commonly cuddle for warmth, but that's fine because you don't have to necessarily interpret it. You had women saying it many times and you guys showed it to us. So you can't even say it didn't happen. So it doesn't even have to be like, Oh, well, I don't know. Like it doesn't have to be judgment calls of watching, listen and watch. And you're doing that all the time. Like you like to brag about. So yeah, I get, and now I'm just covering the same areas that we have, but, but that's, this is where we're at as a community. And it's hard to move past this. Well, and this is why I was saying earlier that you were, having an optimistic view of something that we hope happens, which is that they learn from this and this doesn't happen again and blah, blah, blah. The far more cynical view is that if it happens again, maybe we don't get to see it or find out about it, Mm -hmm. which is just devastating to think about. So we should maybe instead (laughs) shift our focus to the actual episode. Um, You know, we're talking about changing feelings have you noticed any changing feelings toward Karishma? Uh, it's a little complicated because yeah. the first part is that, uh, uh, Karishma's success comes at the cost of people I want to see fail. So in that respect, it's like, hey, you know, she gets an idol and then she split not on Janet's tribe. And it's like, cool. One of them's going home, you know? So like, that's a good thing. I'll also say, like, the last time that Karishma was featured, which it's been a while, it's been a few episodes, um, frankly, like, when she talked a bit about, like, her marriage in less glowing terms than she did this week, but just, we got to set a better sense of her, my opinions were starting to change a bit, um, so it's like, I'm, I'm rooting for her because I'm rooting against the people who are against her, but I also can't shake the feeling that, like, a lot of her success this week was based on her, you know, failure. Uh, like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not in love with Karishma, I suppose, as a player, but I want her to do well because, you know, what the alternative is. Yeah, it's sort of one of those situations where she shot up the rankings merely by standing still and letting everybody else, like, fall down around her. It's like one of those uh, short track speed skating deals. Exactly, yeah. Um, it, there's some wild NASCAR crash, and then you know, the guy growing along at 35 miles per hour is like, I'm going to win this thing. Um, yeah, she's suddenly a huge fan favorite, and I mean, I don't know what's inspired that rooting interest other than the hooray for the default option. Um, yeah, it's like she didn't suck last week, so then she's great. Right, exactly. Early on in this season, I wasn't super high on her. I thought she was basically othering herself, and it, I mean, there's clearly some degree of her not fitting in, but I thought part of that, too, was just she was perceiving that and making that a narrative, even if it wasn't. And, you know, the whole nobody paid attention to her when she cut her hand thing, like, that might have been reasonable if they thought she was walking away to go to medical. So it wasn't a great start to the season for her. Um I did appreciate her, you know, opening up about her personal life. And I do get that this experience is probably very tough for her, but wasn't really all aboard Team Karishma. But like you said, now she's probably just in my top three by default. Uh, yeah. I loved this season two weeks ago, John. I was so, I mean, we talked glowingly about how this cast is pretty fucking good. And so many people we'd love to see win. Yeah. And, you know, so many people that came to play that brought new wrinkles. They were twists on previous archetypes we've had. 
And then last week, it just, that's all it took, man. It, it really tanked the season in, oh, I was going to say 60 minutes, but no, it was 120 last week, so. Yeah. Well, frankly, there it is too, right? They came to play. That's part of the problem. When it's all just game and we got to do this, like only one, like one or two people, maybe three if we count like Nora, were willing to stand up. It's like, no, this is more important than a game. Everybody else, including Kelly herself, was like, well, no, but the game comes first. And that circles back to like, is this thing shitty? Are we in favor of a thing that like can do this to people and i don't have an answer for that but getting back to karishma it's like yeah it's like i still think she sucks in some ways like you know they weren't making up that she's like the first to sleep and the last to be woken up that she was just lying there in a hammock and needed to be basically pushed out by Nora to go do something i mean that her great success for finding an idol was ambling around looking for the coconuts that she really didn't want to look for but I also think she's not wrong that Missy has been shitty to her for quite a while now. Also, can I just inter- interject to say, like, her rampant laziness and fondness for sleep and fondness for not doing work? Come on, man. Doesn't that give you some level of relatability? <laughs> I mean, we are who we are, right? Sure, but I- I'll say for Survivor, it does bother me a bit just because it's also imag- easy to imagine, like... For, to put it into perspective, that means maybe more to us. Um, I don't need to do any work on this group project because somebody else will. <laughs> it's true. Um, I just, I remember when they were talking about Krishma having first to bed, last to wake up. I was like, oh, I'm so jealous of her right now. <laughs> like, yeah, icon. Oh my God. <laughs> what a queen. Uh, yeah, I mean, and these are the sort of observations we would have if last week didn't fucking happen. Exactly. But like, yeah, so like in and not just an enemy of my, uh, enemy is my friend type deal. Like it was legit, like in you know a positive, like encouraging when how she was able to turn around Missy, how she was able to recognize that she doesn't need this behavior, and frankly, it did help shed some light that you know Kershma probably wasn't making it all up. Yep. You know, what's tough is that we don't, what we can't figure out is what came first, right? Did Kershma start acting like this because Missy has always been shitty and we didn't know? Certainly plausible. Yep. Hard to rule out, right? Of course, especially given what we've seen now. Exactly. Or did Missy start treating her that way because of the way Karishma was around camp and Missy isn't good at figuring things out? I don't know. Uh, frankly, I don't know if it matters. Um, what I like about this is, uh, you know, if we're just going to pure survivor stuff and, it, and it's hard to do so. I love when people who are taken for granted within this game get to turn things around. And obviously some of that's just deep rooted, easy, like underdog stuff, of course. which isn't necessarily always my vibe, but I'm not immune to it, but more. It's just, um, I like when, you know, arrogance and bad gameplay is exposed and like, yeah, it's okay to think of people like goats. It's not okay to treat them like that. And this isn't even like a moral thing. It's a smart thing. You can't let them be like, I'm just going to push you around and, you know, treat you like this because I don't think there's anything you can do about it. This is a game where anybody can turn around at any moment against you. So respect that. I'm with you. It was nice to see after Karishma gets essentially talked down to by Missy, or talked at, as she put it, by Missy, it was nice to see Karishma flip the script and be like, all right, well, you know what? Guess who has the power now? 
this girl. Yeah. Like, good for her. It was a fun little story. Again, I don't know that Krishma's my favorite yet, but it's growing on me. She's she's taking some control of her situation. Partly, she had some um, willing ears around her that were like, yeah, I'll, I'll go against Missy for you. I'm, I'm cool with that. She couldn't have done it. Well, I guess she could have done it on her own. She has an idol. So 100% could have done it on her <laughs> I own. I guess yeah. it's possible. And I think the idol is why she felt empowered to do that, right? Yeah. She has an idol in her pocket, so then when Missy's just, you know, piling on her, she just walks away. And that's fucking awesome. And it's because, you know, she no longer, her, her life in the game was no longer dependent on this conversation. Um, frankly, you know, that could be an argument of why, you know, idols have utility in this game is that it, you know, can empower somebody who otherwise would wouldn't be, and while that not may not be pure from a gameplay standpoint, it you know enlivens the narrative a bit. Hey, speaking of livening up the narrative, how'd you like the uh, split tribal council business we had here? Uh, you know, it's <laughs> I don't like it. I, I think it, it's just I mean it worked out this week, right? Like I am loving the the results. Uh, both because, you know, Missy was one of the people I'd most would have wanted to leave from that group. I'm very happy it was her instead of Tommy, not due to necessarily any affection to Tommy, but the flip side. Plus, it works better that Karishma, you know, stands up for herself to get rid of Missy than just does doing Missy's plan. Uh, Aaron, you know, good to see him go. I obviously, there's somebody else I would have preferred on that side, but that wasn't going to happen. Um, so yeah, we've got two exciting results, you know, underdog stick around, Queen Janet's still around, but like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's always horseshit when it happens, and it's frankly just another way in which Survivor has added maybe too much randomness. Like, this is what the sh- this season has done to me, John. I'm now, like, going to start using all the arguments that people always used and I would just yell at, like, no, idols are good. Advantages aren't the problem. I- I- like, if every week you don't know what the rules of the game are, it's tough to play. Yeah, I mean, it is wildly unfair, but so are a lot of things to do on this show. Yeah. I mean, it- we've always said, you need luck to win, no matter what. Um, they- This is just Another example of you need luck to win, the luck of the draw. You don't know which tribe you're going to end up on, or group, I guess. After this, they'll call them tribes. I don't remember. No, I guess they didn't have names. So. Whatever, they just said purple and orange. Um, so, yeah, I mean, of course it's unfair, but so are a lot of things that happen in this game. I mean, I get why they did it. It's, mm-hmm. it's the whole padding of the cast because, you know, they don't want to have episodes without boots in them and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and, you know how they could have avoided it, John? How's that? If they would have removed a handsy fucker who kept what? violating people's, uh, you know, personal space in ways that made them deeply uncomfortable, if they just would have done that, uh, then they wouldn't have had to have a double boot episode. Andy, that is a wild suggestion. If only someone had thought of that exact thing. Um, it is unfair and it does suck. It, but it, I think partly because it's this season, I'm like, eh. You know, it's one of those things where like, like in Fiji, where they just kept trying wild shit and you're like, this is stupid. Why are you doing this? At this point, do I care though? Because you keep fucking with the game anyway. Sure. Whatever. And again, 
they took out Missy and Aaron, so that's pretty cool. Like, you know, Janet is two steps further in the process in a way that I don't know that she would have been if it is still like a large group voting. If it's a large group voting, it's not hard to imagine that they just get rid of, you know, Janet. Maybe they go after Karishma and thus lose somebody, but if they had the large group, they could have split votes. Exactly. Now again, maybe they, yeah, they see this as an opportunity with Aaron, but I feel like the opportunity to take out Aaron, the opportunity to take out Tommy or Missy was really sprung on the fact that these are small numbered groups and i think in a large what would have been 11 people i think it would just been like you know what let's just wait one more week because it would have been just one vote too let's take out one of them and then maybe we start flipping on each other so you know results worked but you know eh, i i wish they did not have to do stuff like this just to make their numbers more manageable indeed um so let's talk about some positives about the episode <laughs> might have to dig sure. deep for these but i'm sure they existed right was there anything you liked uh, so Janet is still amazing, and I stand her always. Of course. Uh, that's about it. And frankly, <laughs> like, you know, people are like, is there any shine that gets taken off of her for working Dan? Not even a little bit. No, not whatsoever. Nope. Do what you need to, Queen. Stay alive. Give us hope. So yeah, I love Janet, and I, um, celebrate all her works. Um, Nora at the challenge was amazing. <laughs> so good. Um, it was the most Nora way that challenge could have possibly gone and it was it was fun to watch like she is genuinely entertaining um she's ridiculous in a yeah. fun way and i'm i'm glad she's around yeah just the instant she's like woo it throws it down i'm like no nah, uh, i mean it could be no other way that was just that was Nora in the way that like, you know, uh, you know, Chris Noble had to go out the way he did. It's just like, you can't be mad at it. Yep. Is this, I mean, frankly, why would I be mad at it anyway? I don't care if these fuckers get PB and J. In fact, uh, good for you for keeping it away from Dan. Yep. Um, but it's just, she didn't know it wasn't a conscious decision. It wasn't like I'm tired. It was that she had completely forgotten that that was ever a stakes. If she was ever paying attention in the first place and she just had to Nora it. And I love it. Yep. I love it. I love it. I love Nora just being off in her own world and being like, why are you guys mad at me? I, I just want immunity. Are you mad because I took it from you? <laughs> what, what's happening right now? They fill her in. She's like, ah, ah. <laughs> it's like, yes, get that. PB and J. More of that. Eh, I'm more of a turkey sandwich girl myself. Uh, and what uh, I tweeted this, uh, earlier today. Um, remember when we were, like, thinking that the, the thing that would ruin this season is over-featuring Rob and Sandra? <laughs> yeah, and meanwhile, this episode, I'm like, where the fuck are Rob and Sandra? Please save us. If all it has to be is Rob and Sandra, and you make sure, like, Dan doesn't go visit them, I'm okay with that. That can be a, a, something that they choose to do. And what little we got from them this week uh, proved it. Because I loved Rob making fun of Dean. Yep, that was good stuff. I like them betting on who was going home, and, you know, Sandra telling Missy to hit the bricks. Like, you know, good stuff. More of them, less of the people we hate. Yes, exactly. Um, and I, I am totally with you on the Janet thing, and I don't falter in the least for having to deal with Dan. Like, she's forced into that situation. It, it she didn't want it. It fucking sucks. Yeah, she would have gladly had him gone if she could have. But now, you know, Janet is who she is, and what are her options? You know, it's not like she has so many people lining up to align with her. She's got to make the best of a really fucking terrible situation. And unfortunately, this is how she can do it. 
Another thing I tweeted is that I wish that Karishma had wasted her idol, although you know, obviously very smart move not doing it. Um, because then Janet could find it. Yes. Like, I just, I, all my motivation is protecting Janet. But we did get our fourth woman finding an idol this season. Hey, I mean, breaking the pattern from earlier seasons and it's, it's finally happening, you know? Queen Angelina predicted it. You know, women are gonna start making moves and look at it. It's happening. The women are finding the idols. Do you have any theories as to why this is happening? Other than, of course, the massive influence of our Queen Angelina. I mean, I don't want to rule that out. This is this right off the top. Of course. It could be that. And I, and I'm not even kidding. Like, it really could be that. And that's what gets into the problem and why, you know, it was a hot topic of our discussion for quite a while. And, you know, rightly so. Especially once somebody really put the numbers out there. It was staggering. Um, but, you know, then that leads to a bunch of people like us who've never been out there, never played the game to start theorizing why. And there was, you know, some theories out there. Uh, some of them coalesced around some things. But the well, the missing piece was like, but do we know? And the reason why I wanted to know that was never to deny that it was a problem. But it's like, how do we attack the problem if we don't know what the problem is? And my thing is, I don't know what's different, <laughs> right? Like, I don't think production has done anything. Like, the idols that people are found seem to be found in the same ways that they have been for quite a while. Like, it's been a long time since they were, like, hiding them up in trees where only Tyson could get at them. So it's like, I like, what changed? I can posit a theory on that. Like, I think it's a series of things that yeah. kind of all coalesced into this. Like, I think the players seeing the importance of finding idols and seeing the importance of big moves needed to win the game. Idols are, by nature, a potential big move. Um, casting more women that are fans of the show, rather than mm-hmm. just, you know, filling out a Beachbody role that they've previously casted. And even when they do that, there's... You know, I mean, it's Lauren finding some, you know, so... I'm just saying that even when they cast those women now, mm-hmm. they're more likely to have been survivor fans and thus see the importance of immunity idols and thus go looking for them. Um, and I really do think like having Angelina hang a fucking lantern yeah. on like women don't find idols and they need to might've helped might've actually made women be like, Oh shit. You know what? We're right. You're right. We need to do that. And these women who are, have since played the game might've been like, I need to have it in the back of my head. Look for idols. Look for idols. Look for idols. Yeah, and I, I think, I, I, again, that's why I wasn't discounting the Angelina stuff. I think that's a big part of it. And again, the fandom talking about it, people pointing it out. And like, uh, one of the popular theories is like, well, women get punished more for being out there looking and all that. And, and I was always like, well, like maybe, again, I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be out there. I was uncomfortable with other people who don't know what it's like they're saying that. But it's like, but again, if nobody's finding it, it's hard to prove something in the absence of something and i really do think it's like well everybody gets punished for going out there and looking for it the reason why we know it can be dangerous to go out be seen as somebody going out looking for idols is because of the men who have done so and gotten flack for it right again like if women are never out there or never shown out there it should be pointed out looking for idols we don't know if like there are really societal pressures or tribal pressures keeping them or not there could be again i don't know but again like I don't know why those suddenly stopped and then we got a season where three women found them. Well, now we got a season where four, who knows how many are finding them. And I do think a part of it was just like, 
there might have been a previous idea that idols weren't that important. That it was like, that's just something that people go out there and they put a huge target on themselves and my game dictates that I want to do this. Until people started saying, well, that's cute and all, but it's hard to win this game without ever having one. Right. And thus, the, like, the, 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 the math started to change that, yeah, it's a risk, but it might be a necessary one. And I believe part of the shift in that was, I think it was season 30, was the first one where the winner actually played an idol successfully. Like, that's not that long ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and so like it could just be that. It could be talking about it and saying, no, 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 ladies and everyone, get out there and do it. Because I, again, and fitting back into, I don't know, I don't know what's out there, but it's like, I don't know if production has done anything to fix this. Right, and frankly, like that, you know, let that, that go back to the cynicism that they've earned. Has production made it easier for women find idols? I don't think they have. So, if that wasn't the problem, if it wasn't production's fault, then what else was in play? And it could have just been a miscalculation of the risk reward proposition of finding idols, or if it is production's fault. Back to what you were saying, they weren't casting the right women or enough of them to be, you know, because obviously there have been some great uh, female players prior to Angelina. Um, maybe, you know, how many greater ones than Angelina? That's up to your math. You know, I'm sure you might have a spreadsheet working. Uh, but yeah, it could just be cast women to be active players as opposed to passive objects and that, uh, do enough of that so it can reach a critical mass. Because another problem was uh, women kept leaving the game early and thus shrinking the pool of women who could find one later in the game. Um, so yeah, I don't, again, it's just like, it's happening now and it, like, what's different. And it could be that, uh, the increased, uh, you know, focus on it from a, you know, community standpoint or, you know, better players as a result, who knows? Um, but yeah, it's like, why wasn't a woman stumbling upon it like Karishma did? Like, I don't feel like Karishma did anything amazing to get an idol. So it's like, what changed? Shrug. Again. Yeah. <laughs> Just gonna throw out guesses. I, I mean. And obviously, you know, enough random events. Cause like, plenty of men have also just kind of, oh, look at that. Look, I got me an idol. Uh, you know, insert conspiracy theory here as to how those happen. But like, again, I don't know if they were like throwing them at John Rocker, but maybe. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, just something to think about. Uh, feel free to share your ideas with us, even if it was, um, yeah, fuck Survivor, uh, blah, blah, blah. That works. I think it fits in this argument, too. Let's keep looking forward and just do some predictions for next week. A prediction singular. There's only one vote next week. I'm, I, I forgot that the show can even do that anymore. Uh, so in the previews, we see uh, Dean, the sage uh, observer of this game, say it's time for the goats to uh, unite. Uh, you can decide for yourself whether he's including himself in that group or if he's including the you know, the goats are going to come after him and his fellow strongman, uh, Tommy and Dan. Um one note on that, it's entirely possible that Dean believed what he was saying, but just, you know, to be fair, maybe not even to him, but to survivors in general, things that survivors say to other survivors aren't necessarily as true as the things they say to us. You know, you would say to Dan that they're not, they're going to go after big tar strong targets like us because you want Dan to feel good about himself and vote with you, even if you don't believe it. That said, it's entirely possible Dean believes it. It could be. Yeah, um, but I'm going to say, though, so uh, the goats rise and take out another target, and I'm going to choose Lauren to be that target. That's an interesting choice. I think the goats rise and take out one of their own in Dean. 
again, is he part of that or is he, you know, <laughs> I'm a big, strong physical threat on land. <laughs> he 100% thinks he is the big, strong physical threat. And everybody else is like, I don't want this goat taking my spot at the end. I'm taking, taking him out right now. Hey, congratulations on getting a prediction live right last week. Oh, what an honor. We're on the board. Uh, it's a, maybe everybody being tied at one will be another fun result. Who knows? All right. So that's enough about this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get to something fucking ridiculous. All right. Uh, we got, it's time for advice, which honestly, I wasn't sure we'd have questions this week and I was about ready to put this segment to bed, but I think we got some good ones worth talking about. Uh, I'll read off the first one. Uh, I have a real question, which is nice because let's face it. Some of these have been very fake, not fake by us, but sent in by other people. Uh, one of my best friends has two sons who are now, I'm not 100% sure on their exact ages because I'm a great person. I don't know if those two things follow. Uh, I think maybe they missed I'm not a, not a great person. Uh, but let's estimate they're currently five and nine, which is like really close to my, uh, sons, uh, ages. They're like last year, that's what they were. Uh, you guys have kids, so what kind of foolproof presents do I get two boys for the next few years? They live out of state, so I see these children once a year at most, and I don't know what they're specifically into. Do children play with toys anymore, or do they just watch YouTube 24-7? I truly have no idea. Sincerely, Turley Hennis. Or that might be Henny. Hard to say. Um, you have kids. Um, do you let them play with things, or do you? it's all just reading and math? At little column A, little column B. Uh, the answer to this, the serious 100%. I have one of those too! Lego. Everyone loves Lego. Just get him fucking Lego. Do you get sets or are you just strictly only the bricks? That's what the Swedes intended. Nah, man. It's all about the sets. <laughs> yeah. The kids love the sets. Yeah, and here's the thing, you don't even necessarily need to know what, like, licensed property sets. There's plenty of sets that are just, like, animals or, you know, city or what have you. Yep. Uh, and Lego is inv- you know, available in various different price points. And the other thing is, like, even the kid isn't, like, really into Lego, there's not going to be a kid who's like, oh, man, Lego. Like, you know, they'll play with it that day, even if they don't, like, incorporate it full on. Um, so yeah. that- No one hates Lego. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's... The foolproof gift. Yeah. So that's certainly one serious answer. My other serious answer, and I mean this, ask their parents. Yeah. It's not going to offend them. It might be like, oh, thank God, because the last thing I need is more crap for these kids that they're not going to use. Yeah. Now that's legit as hell. Yeah. Because I don't need more stuff in my house. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I know, like, I have a list and I'm not going to buy it all for them. So these are some specific things. Uh, Again. Don't be surprised if they come back and say Lego. Um, but, and, and like, you know, I know there's like kind of a bit of taboo, like, oh, I should know. I shouldn't have to ask somebody what they want. Well, for one, you're not asking them. You're asking their parents and their parents will appreciate it. Uh, for two, by your own admission, there's no reason you should know. Right? Like, they're not going to be like, oh, well, I thought you were, you know, close to my children. No. First, I mean, their first response might be, you don't need to do that at all. But yeah, like, I... That's what happens when, you know, I, I send out the invites from my kids' birthday parties. I get the parents texting me back with the RSVPs and what would they like? And I give them answers. And yeah, Lego is often one of them for both kids. Uh, so yeah, don't be afraid to ask. Uh, the last thing, yeah, it's like, cause what I don't like is when they get that creative idea, like, oh, this was in the, the fancy toy store where it's no name brands and, you know, a block of wood costs $30. And it's like, oh, that's really neat. That's cool. And then like, my kid never plays with it. It's just another piece of shit, you know? So 
Yes. Now there's a block of wood on my floor that I trip on in the middle of the night. Yeah. So again, I, you know, your friends will not be, be offended at all. They, they don't expect you, single person without children who spends like one day of the year with their kids to like intimately understand what their children need. All right. Question number two. Dear Andy Landers. Oh, boo. This is just, just to you? Maybe they assumed there was another Canadian like we'd ever let that happen on the podcast. Right. Uh, my next door neighbors recently installed a wood st- wood stove in their living room. Now they have massive piles of wood on two sides of their house. Are we sure this isn't a fireplace? Your guess would be far better than mine. Mister lives in <laughs> place, place where you need to heat your home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was always told that wood piles should be kept at least ten feet from a house because of the dangers of bugs or animals migrating from the wood into one's house. In fact, years ago, I lived somewhere with a fireplace. And when I moved the wood pile next to my house to further away, I found a raccoon skeleton with the rotted furry head and tail still intact and attached. Needless to say, creepy. Should I suggest to my neighbors that they move their wood piles or let them have their own experience? Yeah, I mean... Come on, Canadian. Come through for this guy. That's a pretty interesting story about the raccoon skeleton with the furry head. Like, I really want our listeners to really picture this. Really think about it. And it's like, do you want to take that away from somebody? Like, this sounds like a lot of adventure. Uh, I can only imagine the things that could get into a woodpile near your house, John. Otters, crocodiles. No, I'm sorry, we have alligators. I, how dare I? I've, I've offended the Floridians listening. Like, you know it's alligators. Yes, I know it's alligators here. Forgive my slip of the tongue, please, fellow Floridians. <laughs> uh, so, like, that sounds like fun, and I don't know why you should take that away from somebody. See, I feel like you give them a casual heads up, if if only so that you can drop the I told you so later, when it eventually does happen to them. Um, also, this is 100% the stuff that would fuck me up about moving north. Like, <laughs> these are things I'd never have to deal with. You just talked about alligators! You have, like, you live in a swamp, and you're like, oh no, there might be a raccoon carcass somewhere. You, like, the place you live is not actually inhabitable by humans. You've just done it through force of will and ignorance. I'm saying what would fuck me up is that I know none of these things. Snow tires are apparently a thing that exists. Yeah, I've never had I don't know what they are. I don't know when you would put them on your car. Do you only put them on snow days? You have to change your fucking tires every time it snows. I don't know this. I, I've done like fires at cabins I've been to and stuff, but the wood piles were like already where they're supposed to be. I wouldn't know that shit. <laughs> like, I know nothing. I don't own a jacket. Actually, coincidentally, I ordered a jacket today just like an hour before we recorded this podcast should have asked me for advice and my advice would have been like i don't care man i bought one at costco um all right real answer yeah suggest it to your neighbors it's a nice thing to do it's not like it's a criticism they can take that information it's not like you're saying like you know uh remove move that you know wood pile or i'll call the homeowners uh association on you it's just like hey did you know that this could be a thing and they can be like oh yeah i never knew that i'm a dumb floridian who never dealt with this stuff before i didn't even know that i shouldn't buy a home with a stove in the living room yeah um (laughs) And if they don't, well, I mean, it's their house. If they want termites or whatever, that's on them. Like, you're just doing a nice neighborly thing. It's just kind of a heads up. Oh, hey, I noticed that you had this. Um, I've heard you shouldn't have that. And I'll say this, like, um, I've had mice in my house, not because of a wood pile, but I think, you know, we had our compost pile a little too close to the house. 
Didn't even occur to me because, I don't know, never had mice before. So it could just be a simple thing of like, hey, did you know that? And then from there, it's on them. Uh, the one thing you want to make sure they avoid is um, that they don't put that 10 feet from their house, but must the 10 feet from yours. <laughs> All right. Final question. Dear Survivor Idols, I have been watching the impeachment hearings on a daily basis, though I have become discouraged about the prospects that the Democrats will be able to remove Trump with the witnesses they have presented we're going heavily political here. Yeah, way to find something even more depressing than the survivor talk. <laughs> yeah, uh, seems congressional Republicans will only accept the possibility of a quid pro quo if a witness was to testify that they directly heard or have written confirmation President Trump arranged a quid pro quo. Blah, blah, blah. Real quick, that wouldn't work either, even if they have that. Yeah, so... Let's wrap this bad bear up. There's there's some words. And then it says, I know many Democrats and those who oppose Trump think that these impeachment hearings are holding Trump accountable. But I believe that if unsuccessful, they will just embolden to do him to do something akin to this again. Do you have any comments that could help with my state of dejection over these impeachment hearings? No more perfect person to answer this than you, person that doesn't live in my country. Because this letter was sent from a person that doesn't live in my country. It's a fellow Canadian. Yeah, a Canadian who shouldn't really shouldn't care this much. First off, uh, my brother or sister, I get it. I so get it. I hate that I know as much about the ongoing, uh, the goings on of the American political system as I do. That's uh, I, I studied it in school and all that, so I don't even mean like the underpinnings and the structures. I miss when I could just ignore what was going on in your fucking country because it's not mine. But it matters. Uh, this is what I'll say. Yeah, he's, he, I think he will be impeached. He will not be removed because the Republic Senate won't do it. Uh, I don't think there'll be, uh, more than two Republican congressmen who vote for the impeachment. Sometimes you fight the fight because it needs to be fought, not because you will win, not because you will get the full objective, not because Trump will be moved away. It's because the fight needs to be fought. Laws need to matter and you know, will hold them fully uh, accountable. No, not if he's still going to be in there. Uh, but the idea that like it'll embolden him, what could embolden him less? He is emboldened. He has been taught every step of the way that no matter what I do, there will be no consequences to me. Sure, some of my friends will go to jail. Sure, some of them will hang themselves. Uh, but, like, nothing will happen to me. This, will it happen to him? No, he'll still probably be pres president when this is done. But you need to fight the fights because the fight deserves to be fought. Hey, just tying this back to Survivor, you know who fights the fight? That needs to be fine. Janet! Janet. Sorry, I really yelled there. Be the Janet you want to see in the world. Um, yeah, so do I have advice for this person? Unfortunately, no. Like, I am surrounded by Republicans. I live in Florida. Um, just know that we also find our politics strange and frustrating and dumb and terrible. Just, you know, maybe be glad that you're separated by a border. <laughs> like, it sucks that you know all that's going on with our country Maybe your healthcare covers mental health issues. You could yeah. have a nice little therapist visit or massage. I feel like your socialist country would cover those sorts of things. Am I right in that? Uh, healthcare, uh, mental healthcare, yes. Uh, massage, awesome. no. That's what supplemental insurance that you get for your employer would tend to cover. Mm. Unless uh, there's a medical reason for the massage, and then yes. Okay. Um, well, maybe like occupy your mind with, I don't know, fur trapping. 
um, maple syrup harvesting. I mean, really, you can just relax on our nice and friendly, uh, not at all crazy politics themselves. I mean, it was just such a fun election that we just last had. But no, like, yeah, this isn't necessarily about that. How much worse would it be if the people that were elected by, you know, their Democratic supporters one year ago decided, eh, I mean, what's the point of even doing this? Like, yeah, if for nothing else, you need to show, you know, de- Democrats and people who previously never voted for Democrats because they realized what was the point, that you will do something, that you will stand up and fight. Because the way that Trump loses isn't by winning over the people who will never be won over. It isn't by the people who will watch these hearings and finally go, oh my god, he's corrupt. Why did I vote for him? No, those people are all lost causes and need to be cut out of their lives. Where you win is the people who are like, what's the difference between Trump and Hillary? What's the point in voting in midterm elections? Nothing ever happens. You fight for them. On a serious note, I am with you. Like, it was totally worthwhile to do this knowing full well. And don't delude yourself. Like, he, this is 100% not going to end with him being removed from office. Just know that going in. Don't get your hopes up. Thus, your spirits cannot be broken when it doesn't happen. Because it won't. Just like with the Janet winning thing. Like, I'm not getting my hopes up for Janet winning. She's not going to. I'm, I am prepared for when she gets voted out. Like, I'm not going to be crushed because I expected it. I similarly expect this. Actually, we have one real quick question that leads us into uh, our, our discussion for next week. Um, so that wasn't the final question. But uh, dear An- Andy Landers. Oh, I get it. It's not about people from my land. There's this <laughs> advice columnist. I literally figured this out this second. You were right now years old. Yeah. When you figured that out. Wow. Um, is it impolite to demand? I like that you had the the balls to think that they were referring to Canada as Andy Land. Well, it's possible I'm the only Canadian some of these people know. I, you know what, Andy Land, kind of fun play on Candyland. It, so it has come up in my life before. I'll let it go. <laughs> wow, just wow. On me. Alright, is it impolite to demand to cook, bake all appetizers, dinner, and desserts for Turkey Day when it is agreed upon that the meal will be a potluck, but your family can't cook or bake for shit? Yours truly, man with family that tragically believes Olive Garden is delicious and that no appetizer should exist without mayo and cream of mushroom soup. So, do we feel like they're from the Midwest, John? Oh, fucking 100%. It's been so long since you've, like, shit on the the Midwest. That's, like, it used to be, like, that was, like, a a good third of our, like, iTunes comments are, like, how dare this guy? Some of it directed at me, which is, like, no, I'm not the guy who shits on the Midwest. I shit on all of America. Yeah. Um, step aside and allow me to take this easy shot again. Here's my hot take, because... I have had the experience of having many, many, many Thanksgiving meals with a Midwestern family. Thanksgiving food kind of sucks. At least the traditional, horribly bland Midwestern fare that I've been exposed to. The lone saving grace of Thanksgiving food is that someone decided, hey, this mixture of like sugar and butter and shit, I'm going to dump some sweet potato in it and we're going to call it a casserole. That was genius. That was like the one stroke of genius that ever came about from the Midwest. I'm not even going to accept that it came from the Midwest. I'm going to just assume that they took it from someone else that had a better idea because 
Judging by the rest of the dishes that I have eaten that have come from the Midwest, not a lot of culinary innovation going on there. It's almost exclusively mayonnaise-based, and it's gross and bland and no thanks. So what, is it impolite to say, oh, I got this, you guys don't have to bring anything, no, really? Oh, I mean, probably, yeah. but at the same time, like, wouldn't people prefer to eat good food? I would prefer to eat good food. I, like, 100%, like, you know that I am a very cheap individual, but I would absolutely offer up to my family, hey, listen, instead of the same, like, corn on the cob with no, not even, like, I guess occasionally there is butter on it, but, like, bland-ass corn on the cob and dry turkey and shit, why don't you just let me buy some food? Maybe we get Chinese food, maybe we get something, you know something different. Wouldn't that be great if just the food on Thanksgiving was something I enjoyed? <laughs> like, that would be great. I I would part with money, which you know for me is quite a leap. And I would do it just because I would enjoy spending one Thanksgiving where I was like, you know, that was a fucking great meal. Yeah, I don't think that would fly. Is it impolite? Yes, it is. Uh, what you have to do is minimize it. Alright, so you do most of it. You cook, and it's like, oh no, no, I got a turkey, I got this side, I got that side. And you find things that they can't fuck up, or things that, if they fuck up, is not that big a deal. And those are the items they bring. So you got family who wants to bring something like, oh, uh, we need somebody to bring the rolls. And thus, they're probably just going to a store for it, right? Now, yeah. real quick, um, because I do have an in-law that sometimes listens, although I've heard he doesn't listen to the, the advice columns uh, segments, even though it's like fucking gold. Um, I love the rolls you guys bring, because they actually make them. <laughs> it's actually one of the highlights of the meal. So it's not even about that, but like, typically, that's not something they're going to mess up that much. Ask them to bring a salad, but maybe make two. You know, like, that's how you do it, so that you're not hurting anybody's feelings. And it's like, get to your idea, like, wouldn't you like to eat something good? I mean, when it comes to Thanksgiving, not always, right? Sometimes people just want the thing they've had for years. I'll say this, like, I eat, like, you know, we have two different kinds of stuffing in our meals now, because, like, my in-laws make the kind that they always had, and then we make the kind that we always had, and I'll admit right now, the kind that we always had was in a box. It's stovetop stuffing, which I don't know if that's even in a product that exists outside of Canada. It is. Okay. If, I know it's not good. This is like struggle food from when we were cheap. But that's what I like because it like harkens to the very concept of, and the traditions of the meal. So it's like I'm not offended at all that they're bringing something that was like actually cooked and maybe, you know, could have actually been stuffed in a turkey. Um, That's fine. Let me have my garbage too. And so I think that's part of it too. And, and so maybe that's part of it is that if there's a thing you know they they like – that you don't, because it sucks. Let them bring that one, but have other options. You don't have to put everything on your plate, and that's the way you minimize it. So it's like the getting back to the analogy I used earlier, the group project. Don't be the person that takes it over and doesn't leave anything else. Instead, and I'm speaking to an audience that I think was probably the doers of the group project more than the not-doers, 
you find things for them to do that minimizes it while you still do the majority of the work. Hey, speaking of uh, delegating. Yes. Let's talk about uh, who's taking over this podcast next week. Because it's Thanksgiving, and uh, you'll be probably busy with your family. Ironically, I'm always busy the night of American Thanksgiving. Um, because uh, from a break from like the, the, the family one that I did a month and a half ago, I have friends that make an amazing Thanksgiving dinner. And guess what we bring? Uh, like a potted plant or something. We don't bring anything because we would ruin it with our food. Um, so because of that, we won't be around. But Matt and Mark have just, uh, they, they drew, uh, the short straws of the Thanksgiving podcast. I would see, I would tell you to bring wine to such a, the thing, but I know your Mormon roots will not allow you to even touch a bottle of wine. Yeah, actually, for like this upcoming work thing, like, usually the person in my role goes and buys the wine, and I'm like, somebody else do it, because like, I-, I would buy the worst stuff ever, because I've never drank wine. You know you have a bougie friend that would give you such tips, but whatever. Well, I mean, you know, I, you might not know Canadian wines. This is Distilled true. in Regina. That is a place, by the way. All right. So, yeah, that's who uh, you can uh, start thinking of your advice questions for. Uh, tune in there. If, indeed, Mark is still watching Survivor, there's a bit of a question mark by then. Um, should we play some music or something? Yeah, maybe Mike Hirsch uh, cooked us up something else that we could do. You like to watch Survivor when the show ends. 